Uh, we're going to go ahead and pick up what we started last week, which is our study into peace as God defines it. Peace as God defines it. And uh, those of you that were with us, uh, uh, you, you remember uh, our two big words. We took one uh, big word out of the Old Testament, one big word out of the New Testament. And what, what, what we did is we took a look at uh, a word in the Hebrew language that is commonly used to describe peace, but it's not just peace as that one concept that we know it all by itself. We, we realize that the way God looks at it is a package deal. That, that means when God talks about peace, he's talking about peace in any way you can possibly have it, any way he can get it to you, inside and outside. Are you with me on that? So let's go ahead and do a little review of what we started last week, and then we'll dig into uh, uh, some new angles on things tonight, and actually just build a the second floor on our building here. Go ahead and put up that first slide with our definition of shalom. It's a Hebrew word. It means safety, welfare, health, prosperity, and peace. Now go ahead and say that with me. Safety, welfare, health, prosperity, and peace. Let's keep on reading it together. We'll just read the rest of it. It signifies a sense of of well-being and harmony both within and without. The general meaning behind the root is of completion and fulfillment and thus of entering into a state of wholeness and unity. Hallelujah. So this is the, the primary word used in the Hebrew language, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, that describes what peace is. And uh, therefore, we see that it is multi-layered, it's multifaceted. It's not just you having peace as though, ah, I have a peaceful moment. And thank God that's included. We need peace in every way we can get it. But, but uh, uh, God's idea of it is not just the idea of you having one of these moments, you know. I don't know how they hold their fingers, but, but you know, y'all know what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about you having a, a, a sense of wholeness in every area of your life where, where you're not just, uh, 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 you, you know, the, like, like the people who say, well, I don't got nothing else in my life going right, but at least I know the Lord. Yeah, that's a great testimony. Yeah, you're really making people want what you got, right? Now, now here's the thing. There's times where it doesn't look like anything else is going right. And knowing the Lord is the bedrock and the foundation that keeps you sane when everything else is going insane. Now we understand that. But, but the thing is, is that ultimately what, what God's goal for us is, is wholeness. Where we're experiencing his blessings on the inside and on the outside. That, that, that we're not just, uh, uh, one dimensional in our experience with God, but we're multidimensional because his influence, his peace is manifesting and showing up in our lives, in our spirit, in our soul, in our body, in our relationships, in our finances, in every area, in everything we touch. 
that there's no part of life that the peace of God does not flow into. And one of the beautiful things that we hit last week was 2 Thessalonians 3.16 that says that the Lord of peace himself give you peace always and in every way. And we got excited about that because always means always. It means all the time. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, morning, evening, afternoon, no matter when. But then besides that, not just that he'd give it to you always, but he'd give give it to you in every way. That means in every possible way you can have peace or wholeness manifest in your life. God's on it. Hallelujah. Now we also looked at another word which is uh, in the Greek language and it's the primary word for peace in the New Testament which was written in Greek. It's this word irene which means peace, prosperity, quietness and rest being set at one again. Those are two very juicy words. And uh, uh, the, the bottom line concept of getting a hold of what peace really means, you can sum it up like this. If there's a peace missing, it's not peace. A little play on words there, but it'll help you remember it. If there's a peace missing, it's not real peace. Because real peace is what? It's wholeness. Real peace is completeness. Real peace doesn't just take care of the inside, nor does it only take care of the outside, but it takes care of the inside and the outside. And so we uh, saw some things last week of God himself being our peace, that God actually has a name by which he is described, by which he describes himself, which is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. We realize this, that he's a God of peace, we realize also that he thinks in terms of peace. The way he thinks about us is in terms of peace. He said, I know the thoughts I think about you, says the Lord. Thoughts of shalom. Hallelujah. He's made a covenant of peace with us. We also saw that. Well, we saw the, out of the beautiful uh, redemptive chapter of Isaiah 53 where Isaiah prophetically saw ahead of time the, the price that Jesus would pay to redeem us and, and, and to purchase our salvation, and we see that Jesus paid the price that was necessary so we could have peace. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. The, the chastisement needful to obtain peace for us, to obtain shalom for us, was upon him. And we also saw the, the term, the gospel of peace, and how that's plastered throughout the scripture. And what the gospel of peace is, it's the good news that Jesus is anointed by the Holy Spirit to set at one again, whatever, however, something's been uh, uh, separated, put into shambles, put, put into uh, 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 multiple pieces. He can take what's separated into pieces and put it back into one piece. That's called peace. Hallelujah. And so now what we want to do is dig into this subject a little bit further. And I want to give you just a few, um, uh, a, a few nuggets about peace before we get started. And then what we're going to do, we're going to do a breakdown of uh, especially uh, the, the word shalom and the, the places in Scripture where it shows up as safety, 
there was places in Scripture where it shows up as wellness or health or, or prosperity. And then we're going to wrap it up by saying, how much of this stuff does God really want you to have? Right. <laughs> hey, and that's going to be fun. So, so you got something serious to look forward to here. But let's just, uh, 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 let me give you a few nuggets on the subject of peace before we get started. One of the things we saw last week was that peace is connected to the Word of God. Great peace have they who love your law. Jesus said, now you have peace through the words which I've spoken to you. So uh, we see the connection between peace and the Word of God. And also there's a connection between peace and the Spirit of God. And uh, we see that in Romans 14, verse 17. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we see this connection here between peace and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. The fact that the kingdom of God is more than just eating and drinking, but it's righteousness Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Someone say peace. That's that same word we've been looking at, Irene. Uh, peace and prosperity being said at one again. And how is this accomplished inside of us? By the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22, we, we get the same idea where uh, Paul said, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And he goes on into the next verse. But, but we see in this list of what we know as the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Now, now people can talk about, well, is that the fruit of the Holy Spirit or is that the fruit of the human spirit? And the way I look at it very easily reconciles the two. It's, uh, you can easily say that it's both the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the human spirit because when a human spirit has the Holy Spirit abiding in there, this is the kind of fruit you produce. So it's easily to re- reconcile the, the fact that this is both the, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the human spirit because a human spirit cannot produce this kind of fruit unless the Holy Spirit is abiding and dwelling in there. So we see that peace is the result of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Another little nugget I want to give you uh, be, before we really uh, dig into uh, our, our lesson further tonight is, is that one thing you'll know about peace is that all the, uh, the, the, the paths of wisdom lead to peace. So if you're wondering about making wise decisions and making the right moves, all the paths of wisdom lead to peace. Proverbs 3 and verse 17 says this beautifully. Her ways, talking about wisdom, wisdom's ways are ways of pleasantness. And all her paths are shalom. So it's very easy to be able to tell if a direction that you went was the wise direction or not. If you ended up at the destination of shalom, you went down the road of wisdom. If you didn't end up at the destination of shalom, you took another path. It's as simple as that. Can I hear an amen? Amen. But that's very important to remember because 
Uh, ultimately, in any situation, what you want, you want wholeness. What you want, you, you want the, the, the sense inside of God's blessing and God's approval to know that you did the right thing and made the right move. Well, taking the road of wisdom is the road that will lead to that destination. And also, I want you to realize this. What One other uh, uh, nugget I want to give to you before we really get into uh, the, uh, the, the, the breakdown of our word safety and prosperity and health and so on. Uh, I want you to realize this, and this is very important, that peace is a blessing. Peace is a blessing. And when you talk about a blessing from God, peace is... Woo! <laughs> Loaded. Because this is something that God gets to you that has the, the potency to be able to affect you and get to you what you need in every area that you could possibly need it. Peace is a blessing. Let's go ahead to number six. Numbers chapter six. And uh, we're going to look at... Uh, the, the blessing that the Lord instituted here, uh, number 6 and verse 22. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. So it sounds like a blessing, doesn't it? Yeah, that's pretty obvious. This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, literally his face or his presence. Many other ways that very same word for countenance is also translated as face or presence. The Lord lift up his countenance, his presence, upon you and give you shalom. So, verse 27, they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. God identified this as a way when this is spoken over his people that it's literally his name being put on them. His name being put over them. They're being sealed with his name. And the result of that, he said, I will bless them. This is a blessing. And what's the bottom line of that blessing in verse 26? The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom. Someone say, peace is a blessing. Peace is a blessing. Pro uh, not Proverbs, Psalm 29 and verse 11 says this. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with shalom. Anybody up for that kind of blessing? Yeah. Well, you see, this is not something that is kind of far out there and hard to, to understand and hard to, to reach. You need to understand this tonight that as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, having a covenant with Almighty God, that this is yours. Not something that you're hoping to get 
or trying to get, this is yours. As a matter of fact, God shows you that it's yours, but as we're going to see later tonight, he shows you that there's ways for you to experience this more and more, greater and greater. I mean, just blow your mind with it. You know what I'm saying? Glory to God. Now, now that I wanted to get those nuggets to you, what we're going to do is spend our time now looking at some of these key words that are part of this package deal and look at the scripture that shows us how, how it's used in this setting. First of all, the idea of being set at one again. And uh, the old King James captures this well in a verse out of Acts 7 where he's talking about Moses after he had uh, one day killed the Egyptian and then the next day found two of his fellow countrymen uh, fighting over something. And, and he said, uh, the, the scripture says in Acts seven twenty six that he would have set them at one again. Which is that same word that's used in the New Testament, peace or reine. He would have set them at one again. Now, it's interesting because when you hear that term, you say, well, that, that's nice. You know, he saw two guys that were at odds with each other. He was going to go ahead and set them at one again rather than them, them being on two opposite sides. He's going to get them on the same side rather than them being on uh, uh, opposite ends of the spectrum or sides of the issue. He's going to get them together on the same side of the issue. So we can understand that concept. But in the very same way that it's used there, I want you to check out Ephesians 2 and see how it's used there. Because in the very same way that Moses was going about trying to bring reconciliation to two guys who were opposed to each other, look at what Christ did for us. Ephesians chapter 2. For he himself is our peace, our Irene, who has made both one, Jew and Gentile, both Israel and the nations, he's made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Verse 15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making Irene. Now in the same way, that Moses, in that uh, reference in Acts 7, because Stephen was preaching and making reference to what Moses did in that particular event, he was looking to take two Israelites who were at odds with each other and set them at one again. Well, I want you to know what Christ did is he brought, uh, uh, in one sense, he brought the Jews and the Gentiles together who were at odds with each other. You had the Jews who had a covenant with God and the Gentiles that had no connection with God at all. And he brought them together into one thing rather than two. Now one. And this one new thing that never existed before is called the church or the body of Christ. Amen. We're both Jews and Gentiles, both Israel and the nations of the world, under the same banner of believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, can come together into something that used to be two, but now is one. Hallelujah. And also, you can also understand uh, this aspect of what Christ did, the fact that us and God were enemies. 
that us and God were at odds. He was on the right side of it and we were on the wrong side of it. And so what Jesus did is bridge the gap where there was a separation between us and God and Jesus being the bridge, Jesus being the one who who was able uh, as the God-man to be able to grab God with one hand and as man be able to grab fallen man with the other and make up the difference that existed between the two. Thereby, God once again through his son took something that was two and and made it one again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we see that the idea of being set at one again. Which is something we see primarily out of the uh, Greek word irene. Used for peace in the New Testament. And so what we're going to do. We're, we're, we're going to go ahead and uh, 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 dig into another one of these peace meanings. Which is so rich and so deep. So, so uh, let's take a look at safety and rest. Safety and rest. By the way, one thing I want to mention to you, and uh, th- this is um, uh, uh, very, very important to understand, is, is that uh, as we study the subject and look into this, uh, it, you know, you when it comes to God's definitions, you can't say. Well, it's that, so it can't be this. And you can't say, it's this, so it can't be that. Because God is multifaceted. And God operates in, uh, the, the, the words of Scripture are amazing because they are literally package deals. Even the word in Scripture that's used for salvation is not this, you know, narrow, limited definition. The, the way that God communicates and the words that he's chosen to communicate to us and to communicate to us about what he's given to us is not narrow in scope. I mean, it, 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 it's broad in scope. Which means that, that, that he's not looking to narrow or limit or be real picky about what he's trying to get to. No, he's generous. He's looking to liberally pour out blessing on you. He's looking to go ahead and get stuff to you every possible way he can get it to you. That's the kind of God he is. As Pastor John has said multiple times before, God's not up in heaven with the eyedropper trying to pour out just enough. He's not a God of just enough. He's a God of more than enough. He's a too much God. Hallelujah. (laughs) So safety and rest. One thing you can just write down if you're taking notes. 2 Samuel 18, verse 29 and verse 32. It actually translates the word shalom as safe. So in both instances, you see the question being asked, is the young man Absalom safe? Absalom being uh, David's son. And and so when they were asking, is he safe? That's literally the Greek, uh, the, the Hebrew word, shalom. They're saying, is Absalom shalom? Is he at shalom? Is he at peace? Literally translated here, is he safe? Safety is part of the package. Glory to God. Psalm 4.8, put it up there, check this out. Love it. I will both lie down in shalom and sleep. That's better than, what's that stuff, melatonin? 
I will both lie down in shalom and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. I will lie down in shalom and sleep. Glory to God. Think about that. And that's perfectly in line with what God's character is like. The scripture also says he gives his beloved sleep. I like to say that my own way. I like to say that El Shaddai will give you El Shaddai. Come on now. But, but we see this about the character of God and we see the link between Shalom and us dwelling in safety. Isaiah 32, check this out. Isaiah 32, verse 18. My people will dwell in a shalom habitation. In secure dwellings and in quiet resting places. See, when you're in a shalom habitation, you're in a secure dwelling. When you're in a shalom habitation, you're in a quiet resting place. Which something I got to let you know, you can have this when you might look around you and say, it sure don't look like it. It looks like anything but. But the thing is, is that uh, the, the thing that we need to understand about the peace of God, and when we really get a hold of this, this is not dependent on the circumstances that we happen to be dealing with at the time. This is absolutely, totally independent of the circumstances you're dealing with. Which means if it looks like you got the exact opposite of peace, it just don't matter. Hallelujah. (laughs) It just doesn't matter. Because when you grab a hold of this, whoo, like we talked about last week, we were talking about Isaiah 26, 3. He will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. You keep your mind in the right place, you'd be peaceful anywhere. As a matter of fact, what that verse describes is perfect peace. And actually, as I said to you last week, those who were here, it used the word shalom twice. He will keep you in shalom, shalom. And the way I describe that is you're so peaceful that even your shalom has shalom. But why is it that way? Because your circumstances are ideal and perfect? No, because your mind is stayed on him because you trust in him. That's the reason why. Yeah, hallelujah. So let's go one more place with the safety and rest. Isaiah 57. He shall enter into shalom. They shall rest in their beds. Hallelujah. Each one walking in his uprightness. Once again, the connection here between peace, shalom, and rest. I combine safety and rest together. Glory to God. Are you glad that you can rest in your bed tonight? That you can rest in your bed tonight? You know, you may not have every dot connected. And you may not have everything perfectly aligned for your five-year plan and your ten-year plan. You may not have it perfectly aligned for your one-day plan. But you can enter into peace and rest in your bed tonight. 
Glory to God. That's the powerful force of this thing called peace. This thing called shalom. Hallelujah. It's rest and safety that makes that, that God's made available to you. Now let's check this out. Good health. Healing and health as part of this package deal. And we know that that's part of what the word shalom means. Now, it's interesting. We're going to take a look. To, uh, sometimes you hear preachers talk about what they call the law of first mention, which means that if you see the way a word is used for the first time in the Bible, you pay some special attention to that because of how that word was introduced. And, you know, uh, if we're going to look at it from that angle, we're going to look now at the first mention of the word shalom in the Bible. And it's an interesting connection. Genesis 15, 15. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in Shalom. This is God talking to Abraham. He said, you shall go to your fathers in Shalom. You shall be buried at a good old age. In the very first instance where the word Shalom is used in the Bible, God links it to longevity. I love the ending of Psalm 91. Because he has set his love upon me, I will honor him. I will deliver him and be with him in trouble. And then the, the, the last verse, God says, with long life, I will satisfy him or her. And show them my salvation. Glory be to God. So we, we see here that, that the idea of long life, there's a connection between long life and good health. You want to have good health so you can live the long life. And here we see God making a connection in the first way that the word shalom is used in Scripture. He connects it to the fact that Abraham's going to be buried at a good old age. And if you look and check out how old Abraham was when he was buried... He who was buried at a good old age. Hallelujah. Genesis 43, 28. And they answered. Now, now the, uh, the context here, Joseph, the son of Jacob, the son of Israel, is talking to his brothers. You know, the brothers that sold him out, sold him into slavery. And, and they answered. So he said, how's your father doing? Before he let them know who he was, he said, how's your father doing? And they answered, your servant, our father, is in Shalom. Same word, translated here as good health. Someone say, I got Shalom. I got good health. You know, it's interesting. Uh, uh, you can write this down just for the sake of your reference. Second Samuel 20 and verse 9, uh, uh, the, the, there was a, a man named Joab who said to another, he said, are you in health, my brother? And the word health, as it's used there, is the Hebrew word shalom. Are you in shalom, my brother? Translated, are you in health, my brother? Now, Let's go a little further with this. Isaiah 57. This is verse 19. And if you check this out, you see this 
quoted in the book of Ephesians. Because we remember the reference of Jesus preaching peace to those who are near and those who are far off over in the book of Ephesians. I create the fruit of the lips. Shalom. Shalom to him who is far off and to him who is near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. So here, the connection between shalom and healing. And also understanding that this is prophetic scripture. This is actually referred to, as I said, in the book of Ephesians, where Jesus preached peace to those who were far off and to those who were near. Hallelujah. And so here, once again, a connection between shalom, shalom to him who was far off and to him who was near, and the fact that the Lord said, I will heal him. Jeremiah 33. Behold, I will bring it health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of shalom and truth. Hallelujah. You know, you can receive healing in your body just by looking at verses like this here tonight. When you start saying, you mean I got that in me right now? You mean that's mine now? You mean that that same healing power that is the result of God revealing to us, not, not just a little bit, not, not just a, you know, here's a sample, but no, he's revealing to us the abundance of shalom and truth. Why is he revealing abundance? Because this is abundant. Because this is so deep, so multifaceted. This is God getting it to you in every possible way he could get it to you. If you need it in your spirit, he's got it. If you need it in your mind, he's got it. If you need it in your body, he's got it. If you need it in your wallet, he's got it. If you need it in family relationships, he's got it. If you need it in your marriage, he's got it. If you need it on the job, he's got it. If you need it at home, he's got it. God just got it. Interesting thing, you write the reference down, it's Mark 5, 34. This is over in the New Testament, the use of the, the Greek word. You know, we need to switch languages when we switch testaments. I think you all got that Old Testament, Hebrew, uh, Greek, and the New Testament. But Jesus, when uh, addressing the woman known commonly as the, the woman with the issue of blood, over in Mark chapter 5, verse 34, he says to her, Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Once again, combining those two thoughts, the idea of peace and healing. Peace and healing. Go in peace and be healed. Go in peace and be healed. Because if she went in peace without healing then she wouldn't be going in peace because there'd still be something missing. There'd still be something that wasn't set together at one again. 
there'd still be something that wasn't put in order. And so we see the, the beautiful layout in Scripture of the connection between peace and good health, healing for our bodies. How about prosperity? Someone say, yeah, I need some of that. In Psalm 73, verse 3, the, the word prosperity is used, and it is the Hebrew word shalom. In Zechariah eight twelve, the word prosperous is used, and it is the Hebrew word shalom. Zechariah said, therefore, the seed shall be shalom. The seed shall be prosperous, and the vine shall give its fruit. Check this out. This is Jeremiah 33, verse 9. Then it shall be to me a name of joy, of praise, and an honor before all the nations of the earth, who shall hear all the good that I do to them. They shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and all the shalom that I provide for it. So here, prosperity provided, I, I translated out of the word shalom. Now it's interesting. God says they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and all the prosperity that I provide for it. Have you ever thought about that? You know, it's one thing to think about people fearing and trembling when people see judgment going on. But have you ever thought about somebody fearing and trembling because of how blessed somebody's getting? Well, they say, I ain't messing with them. <laughs> ain't no way I'm messing with them. God too good to them. God's too much on their side. If I'm going to go ahead and uh, mess with them, I'm messing with God. I'm scared of them. Glory to God. Because of all the goodness and all the shalom that he's providing. Shalom is prosperity. Hallelujah. And I save this one for for, for last in this particular uh, uh, category, uh, in our prosperity category here, because this one here is my favorite. Psalm 35. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the shalom of his servant. Hey, God has pleasure in the shalom of his servant. Are you one of those, a servant of the Lord? He has pleasure in you having shalom and having shalom in every way that it can possibly manifest, including your prosperity. Hallelujah. God has pleasure in it. What did Jesus say? He said, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I tell you, what news it is when it can dawn on our spirit that our daddy's not El Chipo. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That he has pleasure in our shalom. When what he's got, because he's the God of peace, you read about the God of peace and the peace of God. So he's a God of peace and he's got peace. 
And he don't mind having that very same thing that he is. Because that's who he is. We know the Lord is, God is love. We know that. But, but we remember uh, uh, when Gideon received the revelation of the name of God, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Ephesians 2 says that he, Jesus, is our peace. So, you know, if you want to get peace, my question to you is, do you got Jesus? He is our peace. And the good news about it is that See, we're just at the starting line. We're just at the starting line. Because his idea of peace is not that he's going to go ahead and give you something just to last for a little while and say, yeah, this will keep you. No, 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 no. What we're going to see tonight, oh, I I can't go there yet. No, no, I can't go there yet. It's just going to blow you away, I'm telling you. But okay, right now I'm not, I'm going to discipline myself. I want to go there real bad, but not yet. Here we go. Wellness and well-being. Are you ready? Genesis 29, verse 6. So he said to them, is he shalom? The word shalom meaning well. And they said, he is shalom. So here we see shalom connected to wellness. The word well, as it's used there, the same word shalom. We see that same thing going on in another place in Genesis chapter 37, verse 14. So you can write that down if you're taking notes. Exodus 18, 7, we uh, take a look at this. It says, so Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down and kissed him, and they asked each other about their shalom. And they went into the tent. Well-being is shalom. Shalom is well-being. You know, uh, was it 25, maybe 30 years ago when the word wellness really got out there? It wasn't always out there, but then it got out there. Well, this is wellness. (laughs) This is wellness in the, the most absolute sense of the word. God's peace his shalom is wellness. Now, we're going to 2 Kings 4. And I got to tell you, this is just amazing. Because you're not just going to go ahead and see, and see how the word is used. But you're going to see the spirit of crazy faith in a woman. Who just wanted to take no for an answer. And said what she believed rather than what she saw, even when it looked as bad as it could possibly get. Are you ready? Second Kings 4, here we go. Vroom, vroom. Oh, yeah. Verse 17. Now, this is talking about a Shunammite woman, a woman of Shunam, who had... Uh, interaction with the, the prophet. Her and her husband actually set up some 
prophet's quarters for the prophet Elisha. The prophet had a bed in their house that he slept in when he was coming through. And, and because of the kindness shown to him, he wanted to know what, uh, what, 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 can, what can we do for you? How can I pray for you? What, what can we do to, to, to bless you? And ultimately, it resulted in verse 17. Because this woman was childless. Then verse 17, but the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. And the child grew. Now it happened one day that he went out to his father to the reapers. And he said to his father, my head, my head. So he said to the servant, carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees until noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, it is shalom. It is well. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant uh, Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, Is it shalom with you? Is it shalom with your husband? Is it shalom with the child? And she answered, it is Shalom. Now, I don't know if y'all are following this or not. But the child is dead on the prophet's bed. And when asked about the welfare, the well-being, the Shalom of the child, she said, it is Shalom. How did the story end? Same chapter, verse 32. When Elisha came into the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. Can you say, speak peace to a situation? Can you say, speak shalom to a situation? Which when you do so, you're usually speaking shalom to something that does not resemble in any way shalom. That's why I remember the, the, the great words of a, a, a Bible teacher who's gone on to his reward, Charles Capps. 
He said, when I go to the back door and it's time to get the dog in the house, he said, I'm not going to the back door and say, oh, the dog's not here. The dog's not here. What am I going to do? The dog's not here. He said, no, I'm not going to do that. He said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to call for the dog because I want the dog in the house. I'm not going to go ahead and cry because the dog's not there. Here I am at the back patio door to let him in and he's not here. What am I going to do? The dog's not here. He said, Fido, get in here now. And from way over on the other side, here comes Fido because he was called. Call for Shalom. If Shalom's not there, call for Shalom. If it looks like you got anything but Shalom, call for Shalom. Now, as we get ready to wrap this up, let me ask, how much peace does God want you to have? How much peace does God want you to have? Check it out. Psalm 37, 11. Lord, Lord, Lord. Hallelujah. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of shalom. So here we are talking about shalom. Abundance. That same term, abundance of shalom, is used over in Psalm 72, verse 7. That same term is also used in Jeremiah 33, 6. Abundance of peace, abundance of shalom. The Bible also introduces us to a concept in the New Testament in some of the greetings we see in the epistles. Jude, in his book, verse 2, he said, Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. You catch that? Peace be multiplied. We read a verse in Proverbs last week about peace being added to you. That when you follow the, 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 the commands of the Lord, that length of days, long life, and peace shall they add to you. But this is beyond addition now. This is multiplication. So Jude talked about peace being multiplied to you. First Peter 1 verse 2, he said, grace to you and peace be multiplied. But then Second Peter 1 verse 2 and 3 Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Well, I included verse 3 in here for a very important reason. Because how, how does verse 2 happen? Go back to verse 2 for a minute. How do you get verse 2? It's in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. When you've got the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, grace and peace is multiplied to you in that knowledge. All right? Next verse. Through the knowledge of Him. You see that? So let's kind of read it backwards. Through the knowledge of Him... His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And that idea of the life and godliness is the same concept we've seen of the within and the without. The same concept of, 
uh, life and godliness. Godliness having to do with your life within and the term life having to do with your life without. The, the, the idea of God having something, a provision for you that will take care of you within and without. We see verses in the New Testament like godliness is profitable, having promised both of the life that now is and of the life which is to come. We see other verses that talk about that combination of the inside and the outside, like Third John chapter 1, verse 2. Beloved, I pray above of all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers that you have prosperity and health on the outside in the same way you have it on the inside glory be to God multiplied now so so we, we understand this that the Bible talks about addition. I made reference to the fact that the Lord would add peace. Then I talk about peace being multiplied to you. And then you got Philippians 4. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which... Whew, someone say... Whew, which surpasses all understanding... My version of that is I can't count that high. When it comes to addition, I can count. When it comes to multiplication, I can I can count. But when it comes to surpasses my understanding, someone you just look at somebody next to you and say, I can't count that high. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So how much does God want you to have this? How much of this does God want you to have? Well, we see the layer of addition. We see the layer of multiplication. We see the layer of God just flat blowing you away because it surpasses your understanding. And if you're not excited about that, then check it out. Isaiah chapter 9, talking about Jesus. Prophetic scripture, talking about Jesus, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, that being Prince of Shalom. Now the very beginning of this verse, of the increase of his government and shalom, there will be no end. We're going to stop right there. Read that line. Of the increase of his government and shalom, there will be no end. Now, we, addition, we were all right with addition. Multiplication, I mean, we can hang with that. But then we see this surpasses your understanding. That just goes totally over your head. And then we see this here. Wait a minute. That, that talking about Jesus, that uh, Jesus, his peace will only increase and the increase of it will never end. In other words, always on the incline and never on the decline. 
Now, that's great for Jesus. Aren't you happy for Jesus to have that kind of peace? Go ahead and put that graph up. See this kind of graph? You see increase, and then you see some decrease. You see some more increase, and then some decrease. All right? Now look at the next graph. This is Jesus' peace graph right here. Because it's all increase with no decrease. It's all incline with no decline. Of the increase of his shalom, there will be no end. So this is what Jesus' peace looks like. Isn't that great for Jesus? We can say, woo, good for Jesus. Jesus, you got some, you, you got a good situation here. You, your, your shalom is always going up. Your shalom stock is always on the rise. It's always going up, always on the increase. And, and, and of the increase of it, there will be no end. Jesus, we're really happy for you. And Jesus says, hey, by the way, check out something I said in John chapter 14. Peace I leave with you, my, my, I'm going to get my neck to do that thing, my peace I give to you. Now, if you put this together, this is Jesus, the one whose peace is always on the increase. And the one whose peace increase will never end. And we thought that was so good for Jesus, but then Jesus said, guess what? My peace. You know that same peace that was represented by, by, by that chart? Go ahead, put that up again. Yeah, that, that one there. Jesus said, see that? That's my peace. You know, the, the peace that, that is always on the uh, incline and never on the decline and, and, and the, the increase of it will never end. I mean, you look at my chart, you look at my graph next year, it's going to look the same way. You look at it three years from now, four years from now, ten years from now, it's always going to look the same way because it's never dipping and dripping. It's always on the increase. And when we realize that Jesus' peace is our peace, so this is not just just a picture of what he's got. This is a picture of what we've got. My peace. Always on the increase. Always on the incline and never on the decline. My quietness and rest and safety. Always on the increase. Always on the incline and never on the decline. My being said it one again. Hey, restoration. Seeing broken pieces put together. Things that were separated and, and, and torn apart being put together again. 
always on the incline and never on the decline. My welfare, my well-being, always on the incline and never on the decline. My health, always on the incline and never on the decline. My prosperity, always on the incline and never on the decline. Why? Because this is not some kind of substitute piece where Jesus had his version and we have ours. This is the same piece that he's got. He's given it to you. Someone say, praise the Lord. 